performance, engagement, analytics, and leadership. Welcome you to EIY Education Section tonight. I have an absolute passion for performance, engagement, analytics, and leadership, stated by Miss Elizabeth Kader, PhD, and she is also a DTM. As a corporate finance leader, speaker, coach, and author, Dr. Kader has taken it upon herself to empower other ambitious women much like herself. Knowing that women of color are underrepresented in leadership levels in corporations, she makes sure to enable clarity of how these four pillars are accessory for the trajectory of one's career. Her goal is to make them feel that they are seen in the workplace and be more appealing to their companies. Today, she will share with us a few tips that have allowed her to be successful in her career. Dr. Elizabeth Kader is a director of finance for Highmark in Pittsburgh, a speaker, a trainer, a best-selling author, and a career mobility coach. With over 25 years of working in corporate settings in the financial discipline, Dr. Kader's unique combination of financial acumen and knowledge empowerment has provided her the opportunity to lead to mentor and to develop orders in the areas of strategy and financial analysis, performance improvement and talent development in both profit and non-profit organizations. Hello, Ms. Elizabeth. Welcome to EIY's education section. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Thank you so much. I am honored to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's our pleasure. Hi, audience. If you have any questions you would like to send to Ms. Kader, please make sure that you just comment on our comment section so that we can handle the questions from you. So, Ms. Elizabeth, would you like to share with us the first tip for your career success? Yes, thank you so much. And I really love talking to students just coming out of college, those who are just getting started early on in their career, because they're always interested to understand, well, how do I get promoted? How do I get noticed? And the first real thing is what I call the one pillar is leadership. And leadership is not about title or entitlement. It's really about how you command what you own so that you then become the go-to person, the subject matter expert. And how we really establish that is first through confidence. And we all have certain skills and abilities ingrained in us that we have to make sure we display every single day. This way, everyone is clear why you're in the room, why you were invited, why you were hired, and really understanding how we continue to hone in on that and gain more confidence is critical. Another piece is really communication. And I love what you're doing with your company because the communication, the two-way dialogue is the other way that we establish leadership, credibility, and confidence. I see. Can you please share with us a little bit in detail about commanding leadership? Absolutely. Well, thank you for that question. You know, what I have found is that I have a very diverse background, as you mentioned in my bio. My background mm -hmm. is really in finance, but I found this passion for training and development of others. So what I had been able to do was slowly insert myself in areas mm -hmm. where I was able to do both. 
when we were doing training in the finance department, I raised my hand to help facilitate the sessions, help be involved in the curriculum. And that gave people an understanding that I had really two passions, the finance and the training. And that created a bit of a niche for me. And from there, I was then asked to help do training in other departments in my company. And I always had a finance spin to it. So that gave people a different dynamic about how what they're doing and how they're doing it and how what they do impacts the organization. And from there, that's really helped me grow my career. I have been called to do many things in finance and outside of finance. And that's really allowed me to become a leader in my specialized niche in this combination that I have. Mm -hmm. Please correct me if I'm wrong. It means that training in public speaking or communication really leverage your career, accelerate your career to another level. Absolutely. I, and, and I tell you, Toastmasters, which I know we're both very much involved in, has done that. That gave me the place to practice allowed me to really hone in on vocal variety, the influential voice, and really say, practice to say, what am I going to say in a larger forum to a senior leader, to a group I don't know, and then have that audience give me feedback. So that absolutely gave me the extra skills to be able to go out and be confident speaking to people I don't know in special venues. I see yeah, your point now. So with expertise or specialization, it's not necessary to make us become successful in our career, but also that we need a tool in order to help us shine in corporate setting. Yes, I, absolutely. Yeah, I see. Can you please share with us the other pillars for your success? Sure. The other pillars besides leadership is engagement. And that really is being able to know coming into an organization, what is your internal why? Why do you want to work at the company? What about the company spoke to you that you feel aligned to their vision and their mission? And then similarly, as you are really understanding the company, think about what you can do for them, how it will elevate your career, how you will gain new skills that are transferable into other areas in the company or even a different discipline. It makes you more mobile to move around the world for other opportunities. So engagement is really key because if you don't like what you're doing every day, if you don't enjoy getting up and going to work, it's not going to be fun and you're not going to be operating at your optimum best. And I find many people get stuck that they're not happy in what they're doing, but they don't know how to make a change. So they really have to think about what's their why. And if it does mean moving into a different area or changing what you're doing altogether, that is an option that we all should take advantage of. The other piece is analytics. And what I find is that, the well, we should know that the numbers drive everything. We are a very numbers-oriented world. It's all about metrics, dollars, widgets, sales, revenue, expenses, bottom line profit. And many people don't understand how their jobs impact the numbers. So I'm very interested in helping people think about what they do, how that translates into Customer satisfaction. If we don't have satisfied customers, we do not have repeat customers or more revenue. Understanding how what they do causes us to spend money from an expense standpoint. Can we be doing things more efficiently? Are you doing your job more efficiently? 
And similarly, thinking about really, are we impacting and influencing others to make better decisions that would enable the company to be better financially and really grow as far as members, customers, top line, and the bottom line. So when people understand how the numbers work, then they have a different sense of what they're doing day to day. And the last is the performance. And it really is as we do our day-to-day -day tasks and responsibilities, there is value or an outcome of what you do. And I also find that people are not clear on what that really is because quite often we do a lot of work, but we don't see what the next step was. We don't see where that presentation mm -hmm. went. We don't know what conversation that leader had with our information. So we do have to get better at understanding and asking about the follow-up so that we can say, here's how we did add value. Here's how my performance enhanced the organization. And that is really helps every individual around sharing their knowledge of how they're growing the company. And it also looks great on a resume when you're having a conversation about the next step or whatever it is you want to do next in your career. Hmm. Uh, I, I see that uh, we have some detailed questions in order okay. to dive deeper into the points that Miss Elizabeth just shared with us. The first question is, seems that we welcome more Gen Z to workplace, but the challenge for working with Gen Z is how can we engage them? engage them in workplace in their work because it's easy for them to move from one job to another job. That is the first question for engagement of Gen Z and related to the analytics. So if I understand you correctly, it means that for everything we do in an organization, we need to make sure that we can convert it into numbers and we can measure it by number so that the organization can see our performance. And the next question related to performance as well, because since you already shared with us that point. So the next question related to performance is that if the employees just feel that they perform well, but their performance is just not like their manager's expectation, in that case, how can we ensure that the performance really match with the expectation of the company and also the managers? Great. Thank you for those questions. So I heard several things in there. I can really answer sum them up into one, you know, major answer. Uh, first of all, when we're bringing in the next generation of workers, it really is that initial conversation with whoever the hiring manager is or the hiring team for the individual to really understand the vision and the mission and the objectives and always ask the question, you know, what will I be working on? when I come into your organization. What I find is the engagement gets disconnected when during the interview, the manager says, hey, you'll be doing this, 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 and this, and you come in and you're doing none of that. And a lot of the reasons why you took the job were the expectations around the great projects you'd be working on, the interface with other people you'd be having, and you're not getting that. So it really is around when you once you're in, reiterate with the hiring manager. You know, remember when we had our conversation, you said I'd be working on these four or five things. I just want to make sure, you know, how can I get started? Who do I need to meet? This way you remind the manager about what they said and you stay connected to the reasons, again, your reasons why, and that will continue to engage the individual. Um, the other piece really around is the disconnect between you and the manager, and that is the reason. 
it always is about the conversation and having check-in conversations periodically so that you are clear that you are in alignment to what the manager is expecting. And if not, you can easily course correct sooner than later. And we get to the end of the year and we're having our performance conversations. And then suddenly you find out all the things that you were expected to do and didn't do. So it really is about expectation right when you come in the door and the continuous conversation. And it may be somewhat painful. And that's where the confidence comes in, because you want to make sure, again, that you're working every single day, doing the best that you know you are doing. And if it's not aligned, then that's that's really a challenge. So I would say communication in all aspects is the key coming in and then throughout your tenure. It means that uh, communication really tackles the challenges of even engagement, performance analytics. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. If we have some roles that is hard to convert our performance to numbers, just like you mentioned, what would we do in order to make sure that the managers can recognize the performance? Sure. Thank you for that question. The other area, if we can't really get it in a quantitative way, is really qualitative. So that's where I love to solicit feedback from my customers, ask them how I did, did I assist them, what were some aspects of what I did that really helped you. This way you're you're collecting evidence. And that goes a long way along with the analytics to say, here's how I've helped really change the the way someone is feeling. Here's how I helped someone change the, the trajectory of where they were going. Here's how I helped to influence someone's mind to say, well, we were going in this direction, now we've shifted. Those are all great ways to display evidence of your value but in a a qualitative way, if you cannot see the actual numbers, because there may not be any benchmarks to start from to show a change. So definitely qualitatively asking for feedback. I keep every single email that someone sends me around a, a thank you, or I appreciate it. And then I'll reach back out to them to say, hey, I'm working on my review or my quarterly analysis. Please let me know some feedback on how I'm doing. So that's the way to collect other data if you can't get any pure numbers. Yeah, that is very awesome. It means that we collect the feedback from our customers to make sure that your managers can recognize your performance if in case that we cannot quantify it. Absolutely, because a lot of times the manager can't see all that you were doing. So definitely having all that extra feedback and information is very helpful. Mm, I see, Miss. Since that our main topic today is related to communication, so let's dive deeper into that topic. Can you please share with us some examples that communication or public speaking really help you to develop your career? Great, thank you. So working in finance, a lot of times when the finance person's coming in to share information, it's not good news. And what I've had to do in many occasions is come Mm -hmm. and talk about cuts. We are changing protocol that we will have less items. So one area I worked on was we were changing the way in which we did printing. We were going to pretty much paperless. And that meant taking away all the personal printers. And that wasn't a great conversation because people are very dependent on things such as that. And what I really had to work on was crafting the message to first talk about the the why it's being done 
And then, the, of course, always the pros and cons to allow the audience to understand that I have empathy and I do understand how you're feeling in this way. And similarly, talk about the, the, the bigger picture and the benefits. I think what we always get caught up in is just telling everybody kind of the company why we're doing it, but don't put ourselves in the other person's shoes to say, I understand how you're feeling. And here are ways that we're going to help really minimize that disruption that you may think you're going to have that will be major. And I, what I was able to do with that particular presentation was practiced it in my Toastmasters meeting first to say, okay, if you were in the audience and this was happening to you, how would you feel? What would be the questions that you would ask? And they gave me a lot of great information and that allowed me to really hone in on my presentation where again, I said, here's why we're doing it company-wide. Here is the pros and cons for you. Here's the bottom line, of course, it's always about money, the bottom line savings that we will have but by the way, here is how we will be able to really modify the environment for you so that you still have access to print. You still have access to do all the things you want you were doing previously at your own printer, but you now may be able, you may have to walk to a printer. So I made a joke about, hey, now you get your steps in for exercise. So you have to kind of make it light, even though you know the topic is very heavy. So that's how you really have to be able to communicate effectively is make it a little bit light, a little fun, but you know there's a serious nature to it and craft it in such a way that it's a story that people get it and really understand it and then at the end say, okay, I understand, I'm upset, but over time, you know, they were able to make the change. Oh, that's a wonderful uh, opinion, Ms. Elizabeth. It means that uh, we need to tell them the reason why we do that, the, the benefits, and we try to add in some evidence in order to support your main point whenever you pre present something related to finance or number. Yes. Now, the follow-up question for this point is that in case that you have data, how can you make sure that you present the data effectively? Because your background is finance and how can you connect numbers with emotion to make sure that your audience really feel what you feel because of things that whenever people think about numbers is just like very emotional less yes thank you so much for that one that's a great question and what i find and i always tell students especially is you have to know your audience and the level of data aligns to the level of the organization person that you're talking to. When we're talking to what I would say first line leaders, first line managers, they love a lot of data. When you get to the senior leader level, they want less data, more words, less data. So there was a proportion around words and data when you're talking to someone in different levels in the organization. What I have found is that the numbers do tell the story but you have to make sure the numbers align to the story the person wants to hear. If someone's working in operations for say, per se, you want to share how the numbers impact the operations organization. That may be different numbers that you share with the marketing organization who may be focused in on a different component of how we are generating profit. And what I would say is that the more words at the top is better. With senior leaders, they have a very short attention span. So you have to really hit the executive summary first and then give them the tidbits. 
when you're talking at the other layers of the organization, they want the tidbits first and then the summary. So it really is understanding who your audience is and really whether it's a kind of a triangle effect or you know a reverse effect here around what do you tell them, how much, and then when do you dig into the details? I always have probably five slides of real information and then maybe 20 pages in the appendix if they have a question, because there's always a question and you want to be able to say, well, we can refer back to page 25 in the appendix to say, here's the answer to that question. But up front, I always make sure I have just summary exhibits, highlights, hopefully, and if you send it to them in advance, they will have read it. This way, when they come to the meeting, they're already prepared with their questions so that you're not going back to the beginning to explain everything. But I have found, you know, it really is know your audience, know their what I'll call pain points and hit those first, because that's how you catch their emotion is when you know what's very important to them. And when you hone in on those numbers and those impacts, then they're listening and you've got their full attention. Do you think that understanding your audience is the root cause of the success in communication and public speaking? Yes, absolutely. Because when you're not connected to your audience or the leader, whoever you're speaking with, then they start to tune out. Because we have tons of thoughts going through our mind every single minute, we can easily be distracted if what you're saying is not aligning to what they're thinking about at that moment. So absolutely. And, bec and because, especially leadership, they have so many different priorities that they're trying to think through all the time. And if what you have to say is not in their top five in their head, you will lose mm -hmm. them. So absolutely knowing the audience. And sometimes you may be in a meeting and you can tell, maybe it's not the right time for this conversation. So you can always ask to say, hey, you know what? Um, do you think we, we could talk at a different time? You know, it's possible that maybe there's something else that seems to be more uh, pressing for you to get to right now and we can meet later. So, I, you know, there is a chance that you will not have the intention of the person at that point in time. So mm. if you could defer the conversation so that you do have their full attention, that's another way to also understand who the audience is. Mm, that's a great point, Miss Elizabeth. Understanding your audience is the key success for public speaking or communication. And whenever you present to different departments, make sure you understand what they want. So you just get to the point to deliver what they want and engage them. Yes. Okay, got you. Was there any moment in your corporate career that you receive an impromptu question or you've been to the impromptu situations and you, you feel that it's really hard for you to respond to that situation? Can you please share with us one example and how do you tackle it? Sure. Thank you. Uh, it's interesting in, in my current role, I deal with a lot of different leaders who have a lot of different priorities. And a lot of times there's probably some um, items being worked on that are not yet fully vetted and able to be communicated. But another leader may know that I'm part of the project and may want to try to probe me to get some information out of me. And I really have to think about both sides of you know the relationship to say that mm -hmm. you know this one leader really is just trying to 
probe a little bit to understand what may be going on, just to get a little bit of maybe a, a precursor to what may be communicated. But at the same time, I really have to maintain the confidentiality of what, what the team is working on. So what I always mm -hmm. try to make sure I know in my mind is what can I communicate and what would I not communicate? And what I would say to the person who's asking to say, I would give them a few things. I would probably say, hey, it's going well. We are meeting every week. We've got a lot of great ideas. Looking forward to when we meet with you on whatever date it is in the future for us to really share our fully vetted plans, you know, because again, I don't want to say anything that may be out of turn, something that may still being worked on or maybe not even coming to fruition. And I don't want to set the other person up with expectations to say, hey, Elizabeth told me this and it may or may not yet be public. So it really is balancing that communication line around what to share and what not to share. But again, it really is making sure that you're ingrained in the projects that you're working on so that you are fully understanding what is able to be communicated and what is not. Because a lot of times when you're not in the loop, you may say something that's not correct. And then that is absolutely uh, not good. So I try to make sure I balance that line between what I can share and what I can't. And the other person understands that mm -hmm. you know, not everything is ready to be publicly announced. Mm, I see, got you. And how do you communicate to that person that this is the information that I cannot share in a diplomatic way because it's just like the way you say no. Sometimes it's really hard to say no to some people. How do you communicate in a diplomatic way? Right, absolutely. So, and I, I love the word no. I I've take the word no to mean not right now or need more information. So I always think of no, not in a negative way, just more of a mm -hmm. delayed way. So that's kind of how I mm -hmm. reshape the word no in my head so that it's not so debilitating. Um, mm -hmm. So what I do say to the person is that, you know, right now we're working, again, we're working on a couple of different scenarios mm -hmm. and ideas. And I said, mm -hmm. there's not much I can share right now, but you know, I'll be happy to set up a meeting with for you to come mm -hmm. to with our next team meeting for you to hear mm -hmm. what we're working on. Or I would say to the person, there's already a meeting on your calendar for whatever date it may be in the future. We will be happy to share with you what we have really framed up at that point in time. And again, mm -hmm. they're, they're, they're pretty good. They don't probe more into it uh, because they know that not everything is ready. So I've, that's how I've been diplomatic and it's really worked out well. I see. I, I got you along a new technique from you. It doesn't mean that we say no forever. We just right. say no at that time. Yeah, Correct. But, yeah. We can have another way to to help them not by sharing the confidential information. Yes. Okay. I think that let's come to the final question. Sometimes in order to communicate effectively or in a diplomatic way we may tell some white lies it means that is also a lie maybe but it does not cause harm to the others what do you think about that hmm. I, I guess i would try to understand what what do we mean by white lie i may if a white lie was to say no, we are not, we don't have anything ready to share yet, but there may be a handful of things to share. I think that's just maybe, uh, I wouldn't call that a white lie. I would just say that we're still kind of vetting the information. So, so I think uh, I would, I would say a white lie is really more around, especially in corporate, it's really more around the, the timing of 
what we can share. We may have something that we're working on right now and someone asks us about it and we say, well, I don't, you know, I don't know. I'm not part of that team or I, ha I wasn't in that meeting, but, and you may have been, but I think that's just really around, again, it gets back to the confidentiality, the sensitivity. Now that's another piece, sensitivity around if someone says, you know, I had heard a rumor that they are going to reorganize or downsize and you may or may not be part of those conversations as a leader. So then that's a challenge around saying, you know, we're not re yet ready to communicate, but you can't say that. You have to say, well, I don't know. I haven't heard anything. So that's probably the area where, again, it's really about towing that fine line about what to share and what not to share, but everything mm -hmm. would come in due time. Um, but I, I, so that's where, again, I wouldn't say it's great, but unfortunately, a lot of times as a leader, our hands are tied around what we can say and when. So we really do have to kind of keep the, the troops at bay, if you will, as rumors like that start to, you know, spur and people get distracted and trying to and wondering when are they going to make these announcements, what's going on. So that is a challenging area for leaders to be able to say, you know, to say whether something is or is not happening who is or is not impacted. So that's where really as a leader, we have to say some things that, you know, may or may not be completely true or vetted, but in order to maintain the work environment until such time when it is announced, then that's really where I could see a little bit of that going on around just trying to keep people, you know, comfortable and working and moving until such time when it is publicly announced. I see. I understand it now. Miss Elizabeth Singh, that we just only have one minute left in order to finish our live stream tonight. Can you please share with us one final message that you would like to share with our audience here? Absolutely. So I uh, thank you again so much for joining us today. I'm Dr. Elizabeth Carter. I am mm -hmm. a finance, corporate finance professional in the business 25 years. I'm also an author. I have books that I write pertaining to being able to lead yourself and lead others. I have a book coming out in early February about ways, 50, 50 tips to get promoted in the workplace, especially mm -hmm. for minorities. It is very challenging in the workplace today. Less than 8% of African-American females and males mm -hmm. are in leadership in the workplace here in the U.S. And I'm really mm -hmm. trying to work hard to change that number because we are a diverse nation. We need diverse mm -hmm. voices, thoughts mm -hmm. to really make sure all of our organizations are flourish and do well and really stimulate each other's uh, the economy and our thought and really allow us all to live fruitful lives. So I thank you so much for having me today. Yeah, thank you so much, Ms. Elizabeth, for joining us tonight. And thank you so much for our audience to watch EIWA Education Session. And we hope to see you again next week. Hi, bye-bye, everyone. My name is Anne.